This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Rule the Roost podcast. We're now legally able to drink alcoholic beverages in the United States of America. How does that feel, Raj Baines, my co-host? It feels good. It's nice to have you back. Well, isn't it? I, you know, I was I was listening when I listened because I did listen back. I listened to the show last week, and uh, every time you was said that a strange experience. Well, this is what I was going to say. Every time you said Jack, what do you think about this? I actually sat on the bus or sat on the tube on my way to work, was just like, uh, uh, and then I thought, oh no, he's got another Jack now. That's it. He's, he's replaced me. And I, I just sort of sat there kind of quivering and making these weird noises on the tube as, as every time you prompted this Jack to talk. Um, so I was that weirdo on the tube. Um, I also stank of piss and uh, had a can of, kind of special brew on my person as well so i i was the i was the full package this time beautiful we've actually had some uh some feedback in somebody who wants to their voice to remain anonymous but i'll um i'll play it to you through siri i know i'm springing this as you as a surprise but oh, um, good god if you listen to this um it's, it's it's entirely true i've not fabricated this whatsoever just as a cav here listen to this wait wait a second this is my ability with technology here you go. Ah, oh, I've broken it. This is going well, isn't it? This is this Hi, is the... wrong time listener, first time caller. I just have to say, fuck off, Jack. Raj is the best rule the roost has ever seen. I enjoyed listening without your whiny fucking voice for once. I hear it too much. I love the Yorkshire tones. It's probably the greatest place in the country. Go forth and conquer Baines. We love you. From C. Hamilton, London. <laughs> I see what you've done there, mate. I see what you've done there. For, for anyone that isn't uh, isn't familiar, my uh, my other half goes by the name of C Hamilton, and I, I will be. Is having... that what it is? It was just an anonymous email that we got in um, on on the Statman account. So I'm, I mean, as I say, it's nothing that I've fabricated whatsoever. I will be having words with her after the, after the podcast. I, I, I had know. no idea that, that was a surname or anything. Okay. So um, if I've, if I've anything up it's completely out of my hands like i say i'll be having words with her and she'll continue to not listen and (laughs) then put me in my place and i'll be quiet and accept it 
I, so. I really enjoyed the the nice words they had to say about Yorkshire. I think that's the main reason I wanted to um to play it out rather than when they mentioned your whiny fucking voice. I, I just want to say I don't agree with what they've said whatsoever. Oh, well, thank you, thank you, Russ. Thank it's you. nothing that I could ever you know sit there and write and and plan to play it to you on purpose or anything. That's good. That's good. I, I, it had that 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 sinister kind of. It's true, you know, I've, I've, I do have a confession. Like every time I see the secret footballer, because he's been on television quite a lot recently. Every time I see him on there, I find it quite television. I, well, I find it quite scary because his face is all blacked out, and I'm not. To, I'm not talking in the politically incorrect seventies sense, <laughs> um, it, as in there's very low light attributed to his shots, and they put those like scream like voice changes on, and he's yeah. You've got John Snow being like, "So tell me, boy." Why is it that you feel the need to write a book about your contemporaries, naming and shaming them? And you just hear this, like, this bloke, like, well, John. I, I don't know. It scares me. Maybe it doesn't scare anyone else. Maybe I'm just a massive fanny, but, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's probably that, isn't it? Um, Tottenham Hotspur, we played Sunderland Athletic Football Club, the Black Cats, the Red and white Newcastle. Yeah, we do. Um, we beat them. We did three um, points. Uh, a team that beat beat Manchester City um, drove Chelsea to the very end. Although Chelsea still won via an inspired performance from Eden Hazard. Um, discuss. It, it was we were completely dominant. I thought. Yeah, I mean if. Um... Sunderland beat Manchester City at home, we beat Sunderland away, so I think that just means we're better than Manchester City, doesn't it? I think that's how it works. Yeah, 6 0, we just gave it, we just given him a chance. Doesn't matter anymore now that we've beaten Sunderland away. Exactly. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was much improved. Um, we played um, much more attacking football. When they scored again, um, Similar to the Fulham goal, it was very much against the run of play, and um, they didn't, didn't deserve it. Um, by any means, to, to be ahead at that point. Um, and we came back and we played really well. I think it's slightly worrying um, that it was a, a Loris mistake. It wasn't... Um, I actually missed the first half because I was on my way back from home, but I saw it, obviously, in the break. Um, I mean, it was the second most worrying worrying thing I saw at half-time, the global's haircut. But um, there's that flap isn't, isn't the most uh, inspiring thing he's done in a Tottenham shoot. Do you think it's second, second season syndrome that a lot of people are saying at the moment? Well, no, he started the second season <laughs> better than anyone else in a Tottenham shirt, so it, that doesn't really compute. I mean, the one theory that has been sprung up is that he's been slightly shakier since the, the concussion, which um, is, is worrying on several grounds, but um, hopefully it's something he, he just comes across. Uh, through now because um, as I say for the rest of the time he's been fantastic so um, I don't want to to doubt him whatsoever but yeah just to, just to point out that that was um, fairly worrying defending from him I think but, it is um, one of those things as well when a goalkeeper makes an error it's so much more abundantly clear than when anyone else out on the field does yeah, and we've, we've, we've had a goalkeeper there that has to my mind not really made an error in a Tottenham shirt until the couple of ones recently. So we can get, we can cut the lad a bit of slack, really. It's not, it's not a Horelio Gomez, or at least I bloody hope not. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, he's, he still played well in that game. He still made a, a good couple of saves later on. So um, it wasn't as if it was all bad for him. Um, and I think 
other than that, there was there was one moment which sticks in my mind. I, I hate to go on about it again, but there was I think it was Jack Colback down the right channel took on Michael Dawson. And do you remember Gladiators when they ran on the Travelator at the end? I do indeed. Some, yeah. some people would fall over because they weren't quick enough to run up it. <laughs> Michael Dawson would be one of those people um, because they, was, they set off at the same time. Only Jack Callback's legs were going like uh, the Roadrunner, and <laughs> Michael Dawson's legs didn't seem to be moving. I mean, he looked like Helen Keller trying to run. It was terrible. Um, he got completely left in the dust, and that was worrying because. Um, they let Sunderland in behind numerous times in that similar fashion. But um, luckily, they're not good enough to make us pay. And um, we spent the rest of the game um, being very assured. We did. Um, one performance in particular to highlight um, was Jermaine Defoe. It was, it was, oddly enough, it was like a reverse Jermaine Defoe performance in that he squandered some sitters, which he normally bangs away and thus is lauded for, yet all the stuff that he's normally criticised for... Jack, Jack, stop. Borussia Dortmund have scored. Arsenal are going out of the Champions League as a stand. Well, there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm... Breaking news, Arsenal are still not the best team in Europe. Do you know what terrifies me about that, though? What? Is that if... They go into the group, and I was thinking about this. If they go into our knockout stage, and then we end up uh... fuck them on, we'll beat them in Europe as well. I'll have yeah. them. Two legs, we'll Europe. Do them. What's glorious? We're going to them. We'll Seven. do. Them. We'll do. It's going to be one of those seasons where we're going to play them like ten times. Fucking horrible gooners. We'll do them. Come on, Tottenham under the floodlights, White Hart Lane. They don't stand a chance. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if people would stop complaining about the Europa League? Then wouldn't they? Fucking words. And until we get to the next round and we play against Partizan Toilet Duck again, you know. But uh, No, in, um, we can the next round we can actually draw Juventus. Oh hello. Which knowing our luck is probably who we're gonna draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but back to back to football. Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, sorry about that. That was breaking news that That's Jermaine... all right. yes. breaking... do you know what? None of this tomorrow when we release this and Arsenal score in the final minute, it's gonna seem a bit silly, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, well, um, live for the moment. Um, Jermaine Defoe, so, yeah, as I was saying, missed, uh, missed the chances he'd normally score, but seemed to do the other stuff that he normally doesn't, which is run back, pass, not be offside all the time. Um, was a, It was a, a, a pretty decent performance from him. Um, uh, but at the same time, it seemed as though our style of play was much more run it to the byline, whip the crosses in. And whether that's because Aaron Lennon is back that we're playing more in that fashion, um, I I think it would be a bit silly to say it's a coincidence that the the return of Lennon seems to have coincided with the return of us actually crossing into the box. Do you think that's going to be uh, hopeful as far as Soldado goes? Because he's been dropped for the past couple of games. He has, yeah. He he has played a lot of football recently as well. I don't want to give him any excuses or anything. It probably is just an AVB giving him a wake-up call. Um, also, I just want to point out as well, just to divulge slightly, Arsenal will be going through on goal difference as it stands, so that was, that was slightly premature of us. Oh, fucking Arsenal. Anyway, um, but Defoe did. Um, he did the things he normally doesn't do well, and he did the things he normally does do well terribly. 
Um, there were several times where he should have scored and it should have been 3-1 and it should have been much more comfortable than it was um, going into the, the last 10 minutes because our, uh, Sunderland predictably did pick themselves up um, going into the last um, last few moments trying to get a point and um, we, there were a couple of saves that Hugo had to make a couple of blocks that needed uh, dealing with and a, a fair few punts into the area that you know we, we looked a little sh- shaky under but um, it's... Um, I mean, it's odd because he's been given chances. Against Fulham, he was fairly nondescript. Um, he went missing quite a lot. It was, as we know, it's two very good strikes that bailed us out of that one. Um, so hey! Um, it used to be him that used to do that for us. But, um, I mean, it was it was a really good team performance. Polinho played really well again. Um, his goal was, was well taken. Um uh, Nasser Chadley played really well. Again, uh, it has to be said. He, he, he adds that balance, doesn't he? I think that's... A lot of people have been questioning why Chadley's been playing. They've been kind of honing into his individual performance. Like, what's he actually done? Where have the assists been? Where, you know, what's he... At, you know, has he scored? Has he had any shots? But as a team, we seem to function a little better having an actual left winger playing in the left wing, oddly enough. Yeah, and he, he does get back and he does get his um his hands dirty somewhat as well, which is very helpful when, you know, Jan Vertonghen's at left back and he's um he's not getting through uh, as much defensive work as he would do in the centre. Um and with them both being Belgium there's a there's an existing understanding there that's that we're obviously exploiting somewhat. So um it's good to see I think Chadley's someone that's um that's not benefited from a a stable start of the club. He started the first few. He's had the odd injury here and there. He's been substituted. He's played in this competition and then he's played in that one. He's been very um, hit and miss for so far in almost extenuating circumstances. So it's nice to see now that he's got a few starts under his belt in a in a much more uh, contained fashion. He's um, he's taken the, uh, his chance. You've, so you've... Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and I mean, I was just going to say overall, you've got to say. Following off the back of losing to Newcastle, then losing to City, having seven points from Man United, Fulham away, Sunderland away, is a very good return. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't think we could have we could have asked for much more. I think we've we've said in the past about that Manchester United game. Perhaps we could have done better. But if you um, contextualise it with the the fixture that had um, come before. Which um an extremely good uh, response, so um we can't complain too much. And uh, it's almost, I think, it's setting us up very nicely for a real test now of our ability in Liverpool, which of course brings us on to today's show. So yeah, we welcome to rule the roost this week, Mike Sinnerton, who is a, a, a social media powerhouse, you could say, working in the in the football industry is boasting not only Crystal Palace Football Club, but also Nike football on his uh, on his thus far illustrious CV. So, hello, Mike. No, thanks for joining us this evening. Hello, mate. Best intro I've ever had. Very kind, thanks. Oh, well, that's, that's quite all right, mate. That's quite all right. Um, so, Liverpool, it's... Uh, you, you could be called maybe the, the one-man team this year, seeing as we lost our team this summer. How's, uh, how is it supporting Luis Suarez? Not too bad. It, it was really enjoyable for a while when we when we had two centre forwards to support, um, and you know we didn't have to deal with all these one man team jokes. But but now we are more or less a one man team with a, with a previously solid foundation that 
really doesn't feel that solid anymore. Um, but it does feel like our one man has got substantially better, which is nice. It's 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 pretty strange. Isn't it? I mean, I, I know I'm having a, having a bit of a jibe there. And I used to defend Spurs when we were accused of being a one man team. Obviously, you know, it does help when you do have a an exceptional footballer on your side that's in their peak form. Um, but there is a there is a foundation, as you touch on there, that has to be built upon. And you know, these players don't perform unless they do have that foundation there. So, would you say there's any players that are perhaps underplayed? Um, this season, so their contribution to the team. I know, for example, Gerard seems to be having a bit of a swan song season this yeah. year. Um, He's actually been pretty good under Rodgers generally. Um, I think last year he played, you know, a lot of a lot of ninety minutes, um, and actually probably kind of had a bit of a second coming where it felt like his kind of driving days were over and but he's actually kind of settled a little bit kind of like Lampard has back into that slightly deeper role and they're kind of showing the maturity that maybe we thought they would do for England and, and never did um other than that like I've been quite impressed with uh Sarko at centre back since he's come in um but Rogers has had this weird thing going where some weeks he plays three at the back some weeks he plays two at the back um and that's kind of meant that we haven't really seen like a proper settled centre back pairing Colo uh, Torre's done well when he's played, but there, you haven't really had that um, stock back four, which I guess you had at the start. Spurs had at the start of the season. Um, I think we've kind of suffered from that a little bit. We haven't really got that regular back four going. I mean, what do you make of Skirtle? Because I mean, I don't watch Liverpool week in, week out, but the games I do see, he he just seems like a complete liability. Is that is that just the the popular opinion, or is it true? You know, is he? as much of a liability as match of the day might suggest he is? Um, if it is, I probably would go along with it as a popular opinion. I mean, he, he's probably not a, a complete and utter liability. He's certainly got um, defensive solidity about him. He's good in the air, but he, he always feel like he has a mistake in him. Um, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans have been wanting uh, Rodgers to try Aga, who I think is, is kind of everyone's favourite Liverpool centre-back. He's been very very good for us ever since we've had him alongside Sarko who looks very solid did very very well at PSG and performed well for France but there seems to be a bit of a reluctance to allegedly because they're both left-footed but that seems fairly odd if that is the reason. Okay um, one one player that's really interested me and I, I, I hazard to say excited me from from Liverpool's team is Coutinho uh, before he had his injury, I mean, there were almost parallels being drawn to Luka Modric in respect of when he was at Spurs, maybe in his early days. Not on not on par with Luka Modric just yet, but he seemed to be very much that similar metronomic type of footballer whereby a lot of your play went through him. It seemed that he didn't have the ball at his feet for long. He would just receive it and pick out a pass. Um, how has he been since he's come back from injury? Uh, nowhere near as good, basically. <laughs> um, he did seem like he was going to be that that classic guy who you get from a far-off foreign land and he comes in and shows English footballers how to play. Uh, and he kind of fits in that Modric and in that David Silva uh, mould of these players who come in, settle really, really quickly, play between the lines, and, and you kind of just think, God, these guys are really good. Um, and yet, since he's come back, he just seems to be a little bit off the pace. I think he's still got, like... You can still tell he's a class footballer. He still has great touches about him. He still waits through balls really nicely. He still spots runs that a lot of our other midfielders, like Henderson and Allen, probably wouldn't see as much. But um, kind of like you, he was the kind of player I was most excited to seeing this season. 
And I thought he started really, really well against Stoke, and then um, and I think it was Aston Villa he played as well before getting injured. And since he's come back, he's just kind of flickered without really um, coming to life. But I think he is the kind of the one big hope uh, of people who haven't performed so far this year who can turn it on and perform and, and kind of make us into that top four team rather than top six team. I mean, I know you you're, you were a big fan and still are a big fan of Modric, Raj. Um, would you would you agree with that on Coutinho? Would would you take him at Spurs or at least the Coutinho pre injury? Um, he, from what I've seen of him, he appears to play a little higher up the field than Modric ever did. Um, he's slightly more in his direct comparison at Tottenham would probably be Eriksson or Holtby um, in that area in which he plays because he sometimes plays off the left as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's much more as part of the forward line rather than a deeper line playmaker. Um, and that's not something we actually need at the moment. Um, whether or not he's better than anyone we've got is, is yet to be seen. He's of a similar age as they are. And um, his form of, of, of late before his injury was, was certainly very good. But um, as I've said before, I've defended our, um, our young creative players quite uh, vociferously in the past. So I'd, I'd be... Uh, I, I wouldn't hasten to um, to swap them for anyone at this moment in time. There you have it. Um, Apart yeah. from Luka Modric. <laughs> yeah, well. I'd swap them all for. Ah, he's he's phenomenal. He's, he seems to be getting better and better and better. Um, yeah. But, yeah, well, there you go. Blue Remembered Hills and all that. Um, Iago Aspas. Now, he seems very much a signing like Nasa Chadley of Spurs <laughs> in that you bought a distinctly average footballer and he seems to be just that now that you have him. Um, can can you understand the kind of, was it just to have an additional option up the top, do you think? Or was there that hope that he would be something more than he is? Obviously, I know you can't speak for Brendan Rodgers, but what, yeah, what sure. do you think the mentality was in bringing in Aspas? <laughs> I think there was hope that he would be more than he is. And, and as with a lot of these foreign guys, you, you tend to try and give them a, a season or a little bit longer than than perhaps the average fan does or than perhaps the some of the media jump to as an immediate failure um like Ericsson for example um but it is slightly worrying that we seem to have developed this habit of signing players for around 7 million 8 million <laughs> and it's like it's like oh we're doing this guy because he's got lots of potential and you know he maybe isn't top tier but there's this vague hope that he could be uh, it's the same with the Luis Alberto from who he signed from Barcelona B, who again may well be. I haven't seen him play enough to judge, but it's we've kind of fallen into that trap now where we can't compete for the top talent. So we're sort of cherry plucking the mediocre talent for mediocre prices, and it ends up meaning that you spend twenty one million on three mediocre players and don't actually improve your team. And you go back the next summer and you're like, oh, we still kind of need four players, <laughs> and it's a bit frustrating. So. It's hard to tell with him in general, and, and I kind of hope, like Barini, that there's enough potential there that in time he can maybe um, be better than he's shown so far. But Barini, did you sell him to Sunderland, or is he just on loan? This is me, my ardent professionalism. No, he's just on loan. Just on loan, because he's, he's actually looking all right. Um, well, he's not setting the world alike, but he's he's certainly looking fairly decent. Yeah, he looked quite quite good for Italy in uh, under-21s and stuff. Although, to be fair, I think he's one who we did spend a a bit more money on. But it's strange how you get these players sometimes that come from a club where they're performing absolutely out of their skin and they drop into the Premier League. And and I think he was performing very, very well for Roma. Um, And 
you know, Roma are fairly similar or at were at a fairly similar level to Liverpool and and yet the some people seem to drop in and, and acclimatise straight away, like Coutinho and um players of that ilk and like David Silva, but other players it seems to take them a bit more time. I guess there's just a hope that of those punts that we've had on five or six players on around seven million, there's a there's a hope that one of them comes through and becomes uh someone who we could then sell for twenty million. Now, I mean, you might have something to say about this, Raj, as well. Um, for me, Daniel Sturridge. Now, he has he's struck me as a player that he, he had a purple patch at the beginning of the season. And he does seem like a talented footballer when the ball's at his feet. But he... <laughs> He seems to be one of those players that the English press have jumped upon as, you know, it's a World Cup year. He's going to be someone that's leading the lineup with Rooney um, and is finally showing Chelsea and City what they've missed out on, that he's going to be this world-class striker. But is he actually that good? Because I've never been that convinced by this apparent world, or at least verging world-class ability that he that a lot of people seem to say that he does am I am I missing something I I, I don't know because I I seem to see him in that kind of Jermaine Defoe Darren Bent type of mold I guess well for me he's, he's better than Darren Bent or Jermaine Defoe um he's perhaps not quite as good as the English press would like to to make out he is but that's purely down to the fact that we don't have many players who who have that bit of flair about them who have um, a tiny bit of class in the final third, which is something England have, have lacked of late. Um, so I think that's why there's so much hyperbole surrounding him and his form of late. Um, obviously, his, his injury is very unfortunate as well for Liverpool and England. But um, I don't think he's um, I don't think he's that bad of a player. Um, I'd probably if we had him at Tottenham, we'd probably end up playing him a little bit wider as a as a more of an inside forward than a than a striker um, and that's the same the, the same way that AVB used him at Chelsea and that's why he, he wanted to leave because um, he wanted to be a, he wanted to be a centre forward really nice one Andre <laughs> yeah um, I think um, most of the Chelsea um, managers that's where they used him so I think it was it under Benitez that he was sold to Liverpool so um, they've all nobody um, there really saw him as a as a main target man so um it's really Brendan Rodgers who's done well there, and he's um he seems to have, have sparked up a, a partnership with Suarez, which is fruitful. But um, I think S-A-S. It, it's, yeah, it's somewhere in between what you're saying and what the press is saying. He's um, he's not Pele, but he's not you know a pound footballer either. So it's basically yeah. I'm a negative knee jerk twat, and the press are overly positive knee jerk twats. Yeah. Essentially, so, yeah. Okay, All right. I get that. I get that. Yeah, the opposite of the ABB thing, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Um, what, 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 what would you say to it, Mike? I mean, are you are you a big fan of Sturridge? I mean, are you happy you have him? I'm assuming I am, you yeah. are. When we first signed him, I was. I'll be honest. I thought he was a really, really selfish player. Uh, I didn't really see him coming in and adding that much to the team. I thought he probably was a goal scorer, but I probably didn't see him as much more than a than a Jermaine Defoe. No offense to Jermaine Defoe, obviously, but. Um, Actually, having seen him this season and having like seen him in uh, England training and stuff like that a couple of times, I think he's actually a lot, lot better than most people gave him credit for. Um, his step over is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, his feet are very, very fast. He's very quick over short distances. Um, and 
and he's a very good finisher. Uh, I think the, the problems are one that he's slightly injury prone, which is you know we'll, that, we'll let that play out. And the other problem is that he is much much better as a main striker, which has led to Rogers having to go three five two or five three two, and that has kind of. And then now that he's become injured, we've had to kind of change our style completely going away from this kind of like we'll defend and let the two forward guys work some magic to we now need to kind of get back to where we were last year. So I don't think we've Liverpool have quite got the best out of I guess we have got the best out of Sturridge and Suarez when we've paired them together, but perhaps without getting the best out of the team, we haven't found a way to get them working in partnership perfectly and get the rest of the team uh, flowing properly around them. Um, but in terms of him as an individual, I'm absolutely delighted we've got him and I think he's a a lot better than you are giving him credit for. Um, Me? Inflammatory? Never. Yeah, exactly. But um, it's yet to be seen whether he's good enough to, you know, to be a world, world-class world footballer. But his statistics for this like calendar year are up there with, with anyone in the Premier League. Yeah, well, I don't like his celebration. So, so there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have that to your reasonable argument, Mike. Um. <laughs> Now, Brendan Rodgers, it it seemed as though last season he was very much the the AVB of the Premier League. Maybe not so much in that he had open arguments with journalists and things, but he he was very much the kind of the hot topic of when is he going to get sacked. Um, did you see it? coming into fruition as it has done now, this the Rogers master plan? Because, I mean, it, it would be very easy to say, oh, you know, he's he's adopted Luis Suarez in the form of his life and this is what's making Liverpool look so good. But even before Suarez came back, you guys, you had a very strong end to the season last yeah. year. Um, and you've you've it looks as though his system has clicked, as it were, and you are now playing free-flowing very attractive football, whereas you maybe weren't um, last year, at least until it finally fell into place. Are you are you enamoured with, with Mr. Rogers? Do you think he was the, the right man for the job? I mean, I was always happy to give him time when we appointed him because after the kind of Hodgson debacle, I think most people were. Um, and it was kind of just felt like, hey, you know what? We've been pissing around for years with this basically mediocre squad. We've overperformed... Uh, a little bit under Benitez or or at least we had that was kind of the the end of, of a really really small glory period where we had Torres and Mascherano and Alonso and and then when Rodgers came in it was like well, well give him a chance to to get things going and he had this awful record of never winning against the top half but gradually kind of won people over with some pretty attractive football as you mentioned kind of towards the end of last season and then the strange thing this season is that I actually don't think we've maintain that that well I don't think I mean over the last few games we have and we have this really good ability to put teams away now which we never had before which is probably the most pleasing thing under him we're actually turning these horrible like late one all draws into two nil wins rather than clinging on Uh, I'm not sure yet he's got his master plan working in terms of midfield still doesn't feel very fluid Um, it's a massive benefit having Glenn Johnson back um, and I think it will be similar when we see uh, Enrique come back on the left-hand side because the full-backs are so important to the way that we play. Um, but I'm yet to be convinced like 100% that, like, yeah, that we're going to go for the top four and everything's working perfectly. I think we're making steps in the right direction, though, so I guess you've got to be positive. 
Do you, do you see many parallels there, Raj, between Spurs and, and Liverpool in especially the, the management style or at least the kind of the environment that the manager has been thrown into? Um, I think it's slightly different at Liverpool, um, given the expectation of the club. Um, not wanting to dig or anything, but they're very much a club on the decline, um, historically speaking, whereas we're, we're, we're kind of finding our feet and starting to challenge for titles much more than we ever really have before, um, which is which is probably the, the different places we're coming from. I think Liverpool, um, Liverpool don't seem to like us very much because we've, almost taken their place in the table as as one of those higher up teams while they've languished below us for a little while. Um in terms of management styles, um the style of football they play is is slightly similar. Um in terms of its its possession based and it's it's largely attacking even though some people wouldn't accuse that of AVB. <laughs> but um that that's that is where his philosophy would lie. But um as people I think they couldn't be very much uh, they couldn't be any more different really. Um I think you, you can just tell from the way they conduct themselves, the way they look and the way they behave that A V B is far the cooler man. Um do, do you think I, I I don't know about that. They they're both very standoffish. They're both Have you seen the photo of the at Monaco Grand Prix in Shades in a polo jumper? I haven't done no, but I've I've seen the video of him Eyeing up the Liverpool TV hostess's tits on that plane, yep. which is quite so, funny. I don't, have you seen that one, Mike? No, I'll have to look at that tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. Yeah, he, he just, I mean, it's probably bias in my point because I, I think he's ace, but um, he, Brendan Rodgers always says stupid things. I mean, people take the piss out of him all the time for, um, is it David Brent? He's compared to... Um, yeah. Just because he, he says he's come, he's, there, there are to be fair quite a few awful quotes from him. Yeah, I think that the choice one was when um, Spurs beat Liverpool at White Hart Lane a couple of seasons ago, and he said, and his actual words were, "But at least we won the passing," which was yeah, it was, it was quite funny to be honest. Um, that was the real quiz. <laughs> um, but well, there we go. Um, I mean, if we're to move forwards to you know the season ahead. It's been very, very positive for for Liverpool. I mean, you're, you're sitting in second place at the moment. Um, obviously, it is still early days, but you've got to be quietly confident that you're going to be finishing up there in the top four, especially with Suarez in the form that he's in, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I guess on paper, you would be confident. Previous years have taught me not to be. Um, <laughs> I, it was, I think we're eight points ahead of Man United now, and you just think, God, we might actually finish above them this year. And I can really see them struggling for the top four. But I think with Arsenal in the form they're in, Man City and Chelsea's squads are so much stronger. I feel like those three are, are an absolute lock-in for the top three. So, uh, or top four, rather. So I think it's it could actually, I think it probably will come down to to, the, to Liverpool and Spurs, um, with City probably popping up as well. So, uh, and I worry that your team's going to get better all the time whereas I'm not convinced that ours necessarily will. I feel like you've got a lot more players who will adapt. Like I think Ericsson will be- could become very, very good, and Lamella, if he actually ever gets going, is obviously absolute vast potential, whereas we haven't got that strength in depth in the wings. We're more hoping for Raheem Sterling to kick on, and and whilst I think he's a good player, I don't know if he's, he's going to... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Being Lamella's... Um... So bracket of quality, if you see what I mean. Well, if you believe the uh, if you believe the rumor mill, um, we're apparently looking to loan out Lamella in January. Oh, it's, that's nice. Yeah, we've continued issues about his problems settling um, in London. I think it's uh, it, Atletico Madrid has been the one of the mooted destinations for him. So we'll see how that one that one plays out. But it's it's interesting you don't um, chuck Everton into the mix there, Mike. They you know some would say that they are. Very much gunning for fourth place. Is that is that a bit of Mersey rivalry getting the better of you there, or do you just not see it them? Probably as... is. Yeah, it's probably naivety on my part, not even uh, thinking. I knew I was like, there must be another top four contender, but um, I don't know about Everton. I mean, again, they've got players like Delafeo who could come through and and absolutely set the league alight in the second half of the season. So, I mean, the one hope there, if if you're not an Everton fan, is that Lukaku gets injured because. I feel like without him up front, they really are they are lacking that focal point, and he and he works very very hard for the team, and and he's obviously got fantastic quality. But uh, as 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 always with Everton, you feel like over the course of the season that the lack of strength and depth might count against them. But having said that, Martinez has got them playing very very good football, and against Arsenal, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Um, certainly a better performance than I've seen Liverpool put in this season. So hopefully they won't be contenders for the top four, but but they probably will be. Okay. Um, now I'll, I'll turn you to a, a couple of listener questions, if I may. Um, let's have a little look now. Okay. So um, we've got one from Edward P. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Edward PRZ or PRZ, um, dependent on where you are. Uh, he says, um, what are your thoughts on having an American owner? And uh, an American uh, owner, I guess I should say. Um, it's better than having two, I guess, is the immediate <laughs> thought. <laughs> uh, it was that, I think it got to that stage, and it's a horrible stage to be in as a football fan, where you're like, oh, I just want us to sell the club away from those two, because they're kind of, Hicks and Gillette are kind of draining money, and it feels like they don't care. Uh, and then, you know, just to get it to anyone... Um, felt like a felt like progress, uh, and it's probably a, a horrible state of indictment on modern football. But I'm not that bothered whether it's an American owner or an English owner, as long as they're kind of acting in the interest of the fans, and as long as they're not doing what the Glazers do by kind of using the club to leverage debts and all that sort of thing. I, I, I'm not too bothered about his postcode. And at least you're not getting a Michael Michael Jackson statue built out the front. I know that wasn't an American, but you know, I'm just talking about. Uh, yeah, things could be worse. Exactly, exactly. Um, let's get another one for you here. 
I like that you sound like you're stretching for them. I am. Well, I'm, I'm scrolling through my timeline at the moment, you see. We've got a physical tombola that we use to... <laughs> yeah. Um, you might want to get a jingle for that whilst you, whilst you spin it around. It's not a bad idea, actually. Stop telling me how Stop to do Stop trying to give us more work. Yeah, exactly, Mark. What are you doing? Um, we've got... Here's a good one, actually, because um, we've already touched on the AVB Rogers comparison. Um, Alex Richings at Razorico86 has asked, um, we have a supporter base divided by Andre Villas-Boas. Was this the same with Rodgers when things were not going that well last year? So uh, just to give you some you know, some meat to the bones, as it were, Mike, it seems that every day is a complete civil war, be it on Twitter, um, be it on Facebook, or even on the terraces, it seems that there's a lot of arguments going on between Spurs fans as to, you know, whether or not they feel AVB is the right man for the job. You have some people that are personally vested in AVB, um, and you also have people that are just personally vested in wanting Spurs to better themselves and to hold on to a manager and have some sort of stability there. Um, Did you see anything similar amongst Liverpool's supporter base at all? I think uh, the thing with Rodgers was that because he came after Hodgson, who was almost universally hated by the supporter base in terms of there's always been, well, sorry, he didn't come after Hodgson, Dave Leach, obviously. Um, Hodgson had this, had the period that really kind of got uh, Liverpool supporters turned against, turned against the manager for kind of the first time. Well, certainly in a long time. Um, and there's certainly still an element of the fans who kind of probably uh, want, wanted Dave Leach to stay on. But I think most of all, there was kind of, a, I don't know, a feeling that he'd come in to help out rather than to ever be here for the long term. So there are always going to be people who didn't understand getting rid of him, uh, Dalglish says, because he was such a legend for the club, but obviously they've made steps to bring him back in in, in one capacity or another. So I think that's kind of uh, placated that group. And I, wh- whether or not like Rodgers is everyone's cup of tea as a Liverpool fan, I think there was definitely um, an element of pleasure about it being a young manager and a manager who had a particular philosophy that was kind of in, in keeping with what you would kind of turn the Liverpool way and the whole pass and move thing. Is there anyone else that you'd, uh, you would like to have if, say... I no. would have liked to add AVB. Really? That's when, interesting. When that was uh, possible. I think we were very close to him. It might have even been the Hodgson uh, appointment when we were very close to him. But um, I think what, I don't know, I feel like what you want at as a manager is someone who has a very, very clear way of playing and can kind of uh, instill that kind of not just in the first team, but through the youth teams and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like at least with Rogers, there is the, there you do get as much as he doesn't come up with these ridiculous comments. Um, with David Brentisms is that at least you feel <laughs> like he's probably going to get um, the teams playing the same way through the youth group and everyone's going to be comfortable in possession because he's, spent a lot of time studying the Spanish league and stuff like that. And I feel that at least you feel like he's going to look at the club as a whole rather than just look at the first team. It's not just a club, is it? He he famously said his mission was uh, what I want to do is inspire the city of Liverpool. That is my mission. That's one of his, (laughs) that's one of his uh, David Brent quotes. I think my favorite one of the, uh, of the, of the ones popping around on Google are, are the charisma one, which is we are nowhere near where I want us to be in relation to charisma within the team. <laughs> love the, I love the idea that he's just playing like football manager and he's just typing in like charisma 20 and trying to sign like a load of players just to bring them in. 
Well, yeah, I mean, if you if you believe the rumours, I think it's... Uh, haven't there been a few of these, like, memes going around saying that, like, Brendan Rodgers, AVB, I think there's a couple of others, like Lambert as well, perhaps, um, who apparently have tested out formations using Football Manager, um, <laughs> which I, I find hard to believe, but then could well be the case. Um, we've got one from Saul Holmes, um, at Saul Holmes 93. Sounds says, like an estate agent. Um he says, do you think Suarez will stay at the end of the season, um, even if Liverpool miss out on the Champions League? Uh, definitely not. If we, if we miss out on the Champions League, I, I can't see any possible way they'd stay. Even if we get in the Champions League, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. I guess the only positive is that, like, who would buy him? Because he's going to be a lot of money. He's going to be kind of, maybe not quite bail amount of money, but he's going to be certainly more than 50, 60 million. So, I mean, Bale certainly set the benchmark, didn't he? Um, one might say that there's a, there's a bit more baggage with Luis Suarez than there ever was with Gareth Bale. Yeah, yeah exactly. that the white bag he wears over his head? Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, definitely. And he's, you know, he had, Bale's got the whole marketability thing going on, which Madrid are taking advantage of. But there's, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, you know, obviously Arsenal tried the famous 40 plus one. I, I think they'd have to go 60 plus one for anyone to sort of blink. So I think it's the advantage is the only places he could kind of go are kind of maybe PSG, Monaco if they're still spending, which they probably won't be, Real Madrid. You can't really see him at Barcelona. So at least his destinations are are minimal. So if we do qualify for the Champions League, it gives you a little bit of hope. You you could almost see Suarez being one of those players that just fucks off to Russia somewhere like that, you know, for a big payday like... Yeah, Hulk. Uh, they'd love him in Russia as well. To be fair, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, right in actually. I don't know yeah. how no one's put that together. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> we've got a bit of a, a cynical one here from Matt Swan. Um, Matt underscore Swan forty. It says, "Remind us how many times have you won the European Cup, and is this your year?" <laughs> <laughs> I think we're probably about as likely to win a European Cup this year as Spurs are. Hey, well, there we go. You've yeah. definitely won it more times than we have. <laughs> we definitely have, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we have we have these things to cling to. It's really hard being like mid twenties, which I like to think of myself as, and um, and not having been through this glory period as a Liverpool supporter. And you, you know, you've got to cling to these European cups that you've only won one of in your time. Well, still, you know, winning still one's four. pretty pretty yeah. decent, and you you finished second in the Premiership as well. Which, which is kind of weird. You, you finished second in the league, and then that was the season before it kind of all went a bit tits up, isn't it? Yeah, that was an amazing season. We were we were actually very, very. That's probably one of the only times I could genuinely say we were actually really, really good. And that bloody Makeda goal against Aston Villa absolutely killed me because um, I actually thought we might win the title. You actually let yourself believe. And then Man United did what Man United do and sucked the life out of everyone. Well, not at the moment, it would seem. <laughs> not, not anymore, hopefully. They, I, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to have any sympathy for them at all. How you yeah. see their fans storming out on the 80th minute because they're, they're losing at home? You think, for Christ, yeah, you've had two, decade, two decades of total domination, like, Welcome to reality. This is what everyone else has had to face for the past 20 years, you know? Yeah, they've been so spoiled, haven't they? And I think they're quite like, I mean, they're a bit naive to, to the lack of success, but it's just amazing. I don't think there's a neutral in the country, 
in the world who just isn't absolutely loving every minute of it. And, you know, I'd quite, I've got nothing against David Moyes whatsoever, but it's just amazing to see them fail. <laughs> I'll tell you what I have against David Moyes is that bloody Slade chant that the Man United fans have adopted. I don't know, have either of you had the pleasure of hearing it? No. no. Give us a jingle. It's to Slade's Come On Feel The Noise, and right. it, it, it's Come On David Moyes, Play Like Fergie's Boys, We Want More, 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 We Want More, More, More. It's you tree, though. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I love, even in that, though, it's, it's still Ferguson. They just can't get away from it, even in the second line of the chart. But he's but. still up there in the stands, isn't he? You can still see him pointing to his watch, like yeah. come the ninety eighth minute of a of a league game that they're already winning. Um, well, we've yeah, I mean that's it for sort of list of questions. To be honest with you, Mike, we'll we'll go on to the game itself now. You're missing a few a few key figures, it would seem, most notably um, Daniel Sturridge and Steven Gerrard. How are you? How are you seeing the game going? Um, it's at White Hart Lane. We kind of seem to be on a bit of an upward curve at the moment, but there's still that threat of Luis Suarez in absolutely just phenomenal form. And what you could say is a slightly shaky back four at Spurs now, especially that we've got Jan Vertonghen missing. Yeah. Are you you confident that you're going to pick up all three points? No. Uh, we do awfully at your place, don't we? The last few years, um, but that is that is the one hope is that is is Suarez because I worry that your midfield is is really going to overpower us, particularly without Gerard. I mean, if we line up like Allen, Henderson, and Coutinho, say you just think that feels really really lightweight compared to well whatever three you choose to put out. Even if you just put Paulinho in there in his own, it feels a bit lightweight. So. Um, you worry that we really could lose the midfield quite easily uh, and not get a lot of possession. And I guess the real, real positive as a Liverpool fan is you. I feel like you're going to dominate the midfield, but we feel like we're a lot stronger. Going like just in that final third, if we can just get Suarez one chance, we might get a goal. Whereas you guys are probably going to spend a lot of time with the ball around the 18 yard box and trying shots from everywhere that don't go in. Thank you, Andrew Townsend. It might be a really frustrating game for you guys, where you're just dominating, banging in the banging in the shots, and and we nick something with a Suarez wonder goal or a little bit of Coutinho magic. Uh, I'm certainly not confident though. I'd, I would take a draw now. That's maybe a bit negative, but <laughs> I mean, it must be quite. It, we've we've put this to kind of the the United fans, um, the Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans in the past. I guess equally um, as a Liverpool fan. It it must be quite strange in your lifetime seeing Spurs going from that kind of team that really you would have, what, 10, 15 years ago probably expected to even come to White Hart Lane and leave with three points. Because I, I still remember just getting, you know, soundly beaten by Liverpool, whether we played you home or away, and that was just the done thing. It was, OK, well, we'll be happy with a point. Yeah. Um, how you know has has your opinion of Spurs changed in that time now? I'm guessing that you do see us as a as a actual a threat now, as more of one of your contemporaries, I guess, as opposed to one of the whipping boys. Yeah, I think so. There was certainly always this like weird image of Spurs as a, as a cup team, or or at least a team who could kind of pull out a game randomly from. from but basically, long term, you had no chance of going anywhere in the league, and you'd always go on a horrible run and and you know <laughs> basically be Spurs. But now it's now you've kind of taken on a bit more of a air of uh, 
seriousness. So, so yeah, I think there has been that change from. No, you look through your team now, and you look through your squad. I mean, I imagine if you if we look at the benches on Saturday, or is it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, of course. Um, if we look through the benches on Sunday, I imagine yours will be a lot, lot stronger. And partly that's through good investing of the bail money, but partly it kind of shows where the clubs are, and that's like <laughs> not as far apart as they used to be. <laughs> that's true. I mean, maybe in terms of prestige, I think Liverpool are. Uh, I think you're still maybe one of the biggest teams, and you're you're up there definitely with Real and United um, as one of the biggest clubs as an entity yeah. in the world. Which I guess is what's you've always got going for you, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you... we've, been, we've been living off that for quite a while, though. Yeah, but obviously we got the Champions League, which which kind of kept that going, I think. But you know, it's been a long time since we were kind of regularly at that top table. It feels like a long time, anyway, since we were regularly at that top table. But you hope that the prestige can like live on for a bit a bit longer because you worry now that the kids abroad who used to pick up on Liverpool winning things and are now turning to. Man City and City Chelsea. Are you? Um, do you think you're going to come to White Hart Lane and attack the game? Do you think you're going to come and go for the jugular, get those three points? Uh, I don't think we'll be. I don't think we'll set up defensively. We don't seem to do that. We seem to be fairly uh, forward thinking in in our in our approach play. Um, I, whether we'll go for the jugular, I don't know. Especially with Gerard out. I don't, I, I I mean, I presume he's going to play Sterling and and Suarez and Allen and Coutinho and Henderson, that kind of still leaves one spot open. So I don't know whether he's going to go for Aspas, assuming he's back to complete match fitness, or whether he goes for Luis Alberto. I guess that, that might be an indication if he goes for Aspas, it might be a case that we're going to press higher up the pitch and uh, with him and Sterling like really push on your fullbacks, which I think could be important because you often get a lot of joy, especially with Carl Walker down the right-hand side. I mean, can do you think Liverpool's a winnable fixture, Raj, at the moment? Because it's hard to look past what Mike said there about you can see it being very much the game that we potentially dominate. But you know, as we have been this season, profligate in front of goal, and then Liverpool get one chance through Suarez and you can see them scoring. Um, you'd hope we'd play well against them. We've done um, well against the big teams at home. Um, I mean, Manchester United, we, we probably should have won. Um, we held up against them fairly well. Chelsea again, we we were very good in. Um, and who's the other? We had anyone else decent at home? We, we've been fairly strong at home. I'd suggest in the league against the bigger sides and and the the sides more likely to attack. So um, I, I see it being open in terms of the players that'll be selected or anything like that. I, I haven't a clue, especially with a with the Europa League game on Thursday. Um, I think I said this before, but um, try to second guess a, a Navy B starting eleven. You've got more chance of guessing nuke, nuclear launch codes for a country than guessing who he's going to pick on a weekend because it's sometimes it's just straight out of left field um, who's playing where and what's going on. So um, as long as as long as they perform well, um, I can see us getting something out of it. And it's definitely winnable. I mean, the Europa League thing is quite big because you've done pretty badly in your. Uh, fixtures after Europa League games so obviously it'll depend who he picks in that game which you'd assume he'll go with a more or less reserve team but he seems to love picking a stronger team than he needs to so yeah, I guess especially hope... we've we've even we've won our group now um, this is our last game in it and it's, it's all sewn up there's no 
nothing left to play for in it. So I'd, I'd hope to see, you know, one to eleven of people who, who haven't played before. In all honesty, I, I really wouldn't yeah. care any any less if that happened. The fact but, that Sandro's been doing a load of the uh, the pre-match press stuff is actually sending a shiver down my spine. Bear, bearing in mind, this is a Sandro that's been told for the foreseeable future he shouldn't be playing more than one game a one more than one game a week. Yeah. So there we go. So yeah, um, crossed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you we we well, I say I hate to spring this on people, but I do. Um, if you had to say a score, Mike, what would you go with? I always go with one all in these situations. Okay. So one one all reserved. That's a bit bit times New Roman of you, but I it see where you're going. Roman, yeah. All right, two all. There you go. Make hey. it three. <laughs> um, what about you, Muraj? Uh, three one. Disperse. Tottenham. Tottenham, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I'm. I'm going to say two all as well. I like the sound of two all. Um, I don't. Sounds a bit more entertaining than one all, doesn't it? So we'll go with that. Yeah, two two. Suarez getting a brace. <laughs> yeah, I'm so fancy football wise. Yeah, there we go. He needs one. Have you seen his teeth? Hey. Um. Well, that's uh. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, Mike. Um, certainly. Yeah, I hope. Well, I hope you've enjoyed it. Very entertaining as ever. You have. Um, <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to sing us out with a spot of "You'll Never Walk Alone"? Or not hugely. No, you. That, that you, normally you, part of the repartee. Well, it is, isn't it? You, you lot like seem to crack we normally, that. We normally do that at the beginning. You like to, uh, I thought you just did it whenever you got the chance, but no, no. Okay, I'm too reserved for that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll get a choir next time for the backing vocals. Yeah, all right. It is Christmas time after all, so there should be a few going about. That's true. They'll all be booked up. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, yeah, thanks very much for joining us, Mike. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Bye. Wochan, Wochan, hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. I've actually strained my voice doing that. Um, Is that a song about woks, the Chinese cooking implement? It, yeah, I, I thought you were going to go on a bit of a racist tangent there, Raj. But no, because <laughs> it sounds like you'll never walk alone. It, does, it doesn't. I like, I like what you, you did there. But no, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much, there, Mike, for for joining us. Um, if you had maybe been from Liverpool, we might have made a few more jokes about hubcaps and shell suits and things. But yeah. Given that you're a you're a glory supporter, sorry, uh, <laughs> it uh, didn't didn't quite go that way. But Liverpool, tough game. Discuss Raj Baines. Yeah, it is I a mean, tough game, isn't it? They've got a lot of injuries, most notably, as we said, you know, Sturridge. Um, yeah. I was I was trying to say Suarez, and that's almost wishful thinking. No, he's um, just injured in the brain permanently, but not you know. Do you think he could come down with the bubonic plague at some point this week and just? Do mankind a favour. I mean Spurs. <laughs> I mean Tottenham a favour. Hopefully, um, I, I don't know. It worries me, especially if Michael Dawson starts. I know I don't want to keep on going on about Michael Dawson because it's it's almost like having. Oh, I, I love him. It's it's like it's like being horrible about you, like a big brother, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's. I don't know. I mean, I've been a staunch defender of Dawes, but at the same time, I'm not deluded enough to put like my own. Uh, my own agenda ahead of the good of Tottenham and Yeah, I would love to be able to to like come on and sing his praises every week and 
is. Look at him, he's, he loves the club and he's proved us wrong and he's he's been fantastic for us, but uh, he just looks slower every week. It was, it, you know, I if it wasn't the fact that Fulham had just scored, uh, to be honest, I still laughed anyway. I'm just trying to cover my tracks in case anyone gets angry, but I don't really care if you do. When, uh, how he sort of ran, ran the ball out of defence against Fulham and then just actually fell over, <laughs> which allowed just some absolute shitter from Fulham to go and score against us. It just kind of made me think, oh, Michael, oh, Michael, Michael. I mean, I agree with what you guys were saying last week. I think you you made the point last week on the pod, Raj, because um, I did listen, that uh, Michael Dawson is still very much that player you want if, say, we draw a Leeds or someone like that in the cup when there's a horrible atmosphere, you need someone who's got who's got a big old pair on him. He will be that lad that will go out there, beat his chest, he'll grab other players by the shirt and, you know, be they on our own team or be they on the opposition team. He'll be in their faces. He'll be telling his, you know, his teammates, you've got to play harder. He'll be telling other players on the other team to fuck off as we saw him absolutely scare the shit out of Vermaelen last season. And Vermaelen, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's probably still cleaning the skid marks out of his his, his <laughs> wife fronts after big doors squared up to him. Um he is that player and, it, you know, he does kind of still have that Tottenham identity and that is something we have been lacking. But you can't escape from the fact that he has been very, very suspect um, yeah. for a lot of this season. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're pretty restricted. Vertonghen's out, Kabul's seemingly ended his career. I, I don't know, you know, you don't, you don't want to keep speculating. Yeah, I still do, but it's not looking good for Kabul. Um, Creatures, 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 whatever. He's he's is he back now? He's he's back for the game, isn't he? Yeah, he is, but his name's not Creatures. Oh, whatever it is, I don't care. <laughs> a creature's like an animal or something. Not a, it's football. I think it's Kirikesh. Yeah. If you just pretend it's Kikinka instead of a Kirlika, you're halfway there. <laughs> Kikinka, Kika, but Alala, but. There we go. I've learned that. Um, yeah, he's, he, I think he'll be fit. I think he's actually injured for the midweek game, but he'll be back for the weekend, one hopes. Um, Danny Rose. Danny Rose has made an appearance from the dead. He's, he's risen again. There you go. Danny Rose, let's hope so. I hope he is back. No, no, did you not see him in the photos in the hospital? Was he climbing out of bed saying, "I'm ready to, <laughs> when, I'm ready when, to play"? When when they do do that lovely thing of every year, they're genuinely lovely. I'm not being cynical. Where they go and give like ill kids and things Christmas presents and go make their day by going to visit them and stuff. Um, oh, is that stuff. when is that when footballers pretend to be human and not just insipid, yeah. vacuous piles of money? Yeah, the, you don't get the photos of them tapping on their watches, going, "We've been here 20 minutes already." Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but you know the the nice things they do for the community. He was actually there out with them, which is I think the first time he's been spotted in public for a while. I mean, it was it was like it was worrying for a while <laughs> the, the whereabouts of Danny Rose. I think you were um, a few weeks away from starting to put some you know adverts out on the side of milk cartons for him. Yeah, he's uh, well. It it will be good to have him back. And who would have thought you'd have said that at the start of the season? It's it's really actually quite frustrating just before he got injured. He had really st- 
started to silence a lot of the critics, Danny Rose. He he was looking absolutely... And I think you and I were both fairly critical of him, or at least his chances ahead to the start of the season in that, you know, he was obviously going to fill a hole, but he still wasn't the ideal <laughs> left-back. But the lad actually started to perform really very well. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I got distracted by you saying fill a hole and made me laugh. That's, at least we haven't said Kapoo this week. Kapoo. We forgot to mention Kapoo at Sunderland. He was absolutely shitting amazing um, at centre back. He, he actually. Why, why is this a surprise though? I swear the lad does double up as a centre back anyway. He does, but um, it's the first time he's played there in the Premier League, and like as an okay, incoming okay. centre back to then outplay somebody like Michael Dawson, who's been playing in the Premier League for the majority of his career. It was it's a fantastic um, debut performance in that position for him. I get that, but I I mean, I saw everyone sort of being like, oh, what the fuck's AVB doing putting Kapoor as a centre-back? But I kind of thought, well, the lad, the lad's played half his career as a centre-back as well as being a, a you know defensive midfielder. So Yeah, I mean, um, there's, there's periods in the Europa League, I think hopefully he'll, if he plays instead of Sandro on Thursday, one thing to look out for is, um, tactically speaking, it's one of the most intriguing things we've done this season. Both of the wingers, well, I say wingers, the, the full-backs, push up to around halfway. What the two centre-backs will do is they'll fan out to further wide of where they usually stand. So if you plan it on on a, on a uh, pitch, they usually stand either side of the D, won't they? Okay. But they'll, they'll fan out towards either side of the box. And what Kapu does is he drops in from... <laughs> Kapu drops in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, he flushes down into... The, the middle of them both. So we play like a back three. But one then what happens is when we win the ball back or when we lose the ball, they're so quick to revert to him being a midfielder and spies. It's really good to see, especially with like the wide camera angles we use when we play in Europe. It's really obvious to spot. And um, I think that's one of the things that a few, a few people have missed out on in terms of our tactical rigidity and something he brings. I don't think uh, as good as he is, I don't think... Sandro has the ability to play centre back. Centre back's all about choosing, choosing when you tackle and who you tackle and mark. Whereas Sandro will just end up being the last man and getting sent off. I mean, it's very good to have a versatile player like Capu within our system. Uh, I mean, system. <laughs> Sorry, um, but uh, yeah. Well, who, who? I mean, who can you see playing at the back then? So I guess we're going to have Rose left back, hopefully. Carl Walker right back. Um, Kirikesh and Dawson. Dawson, probably, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, that sounds about right to me. Vertonghen hopefully might be fit, probably won't be. Uh, Kabul, if he rests in midweek, might be available. Um, but as I said when we were when we were speaking before, I, in terms of the game, I really couldn't care less at this point. We're, we're through, we've won our group, we've done our job. Let 11 people who haven't played before have a run out now just Adibayor Aurelio Gomez and nine others essentially yeah that's it stick it stick it to whoever it is Anzi Makading Anzi, yeah, so Anzi Dong, as you called them that was one of my finer analytical moments yeah. they've got that fat bastard that plays up front for them that, they had that they genuinely had a lad who had a similar figure to myself and that uh, that isn't something that a professional footballer well, I mean, that's not something anyone wants, let alone a professional footballer. Um, so we should be turning this lot over, whoever we pull out there. Um, and 
we should probably also mention, as we are a... Well, we're not a live podcast. I don't know why I was going to say that, but uh, we are we are reacting to the events of the Champions League this evening. That uh, over the course of us recording this, Arsenal have actually qualified. So that's a bit of egg on our faces, there, Raj. Yeah, um, sorry about that. I think we got overexcited. Um, I think it was actually you off air that said to me that they could go out if the results went our way. But I say our way, Napoli and Dortmund winning and then losing. And I then see. when I clicked, pa- pass when, the buck, Baines. I say. When, I say. When I clicked onto the table and then saw the goal difference, I, my heart sank. So I'm, I'm firmly placing the blame on you, mate. I was just scrolling through my Twitter timeline and I'd seen, you know, oh, because that's where you go for all <laughs> fucking good news, isn't it? AVB should be sacked. Daniel Levy is tight, and oh look, Arsenal can go out of the Champions League tonight. So that's uh, fuck you, Twitter. Fuck you. Um, if you want to listen to previous episodes of Real the Roost podcast, you can do so on SpursStatman.com, where you will also find a host of other Tottenham-themed reading material. There, uh, there should be some things going up this week, but neither myself or Mister Baines can actually tell you what is going up at this <laughs> point, as we're both. Hideously underprepared and both very busy in our personal lives. Um, that sounds a bit more sinister. There's nothing sinister going on. We're just uh, we we yeah we're just busy. Um, I'm addicted to to um, to you know full scale hard cop pornography and it takes up a, a long time of my private life. There you go. Um, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. A boring man. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you can also, of course, listen to all of our episodes on buzzsprout.com. Um, we'll put the link out online. Um, so you can listen to that on any mobile listening device that isn't precursed by I. Um, you can also listen to us on iTunes, where all of the episodes will be residing. You can follow the Rule the Roost Twitter account at RTRSSM. You can, of course, listen to the boss's statistical outpourings on Twitter, or at least read, I should say. Um, JP, who replaced me last week, let's not make a habit of that, eh? Um, <laughs> at SpursStatMan. Uh, you can also follow myself at Tatrunk or Baines at BainesXIII. And yeah, feel free to post us any questions or anything you like during the week. Um, We've just had um, some more correspondence in. Go, go for it. Jack is a cunt, a smelly cunt. What a cunt! Leave me alone. Love Michael Dawson. Please, Raj, will stop this soon. He promises. I, I have nothing further to say, aside for come on, you Spurs. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.